I want to go home. My sister turned from the river and closed her eyes, as though she could wish away the river, and the barge on the river, and Eldrick on the barge. But life doesn't work that way, more's the pity. We can't leave now, said father. It would hurt Eldrick's feelings, don't you see? But Rose didn't see. She never saw. Not about feelings. I want to go home. Villagers thronged the riverside, but they gave us plenty of room. I'd forgotten that. Forgotten how they left a cushion of air around the clergyman and his porcelain daughters. We'd always be outsiders, even though fathers spent twenty years in the Swampsea, and Rose and I have spent seventeen. We've never been anywhere else. One hundred and eighty-three steps until home, said Rose. The villagers never used to stare, though. If I were an ordinary girl, I might stare too. People like to stare at girls who've been ill, at girls whom they've hardly seen for three years, at girls whose stepmother has killed herself. Look, said father, the barge is almost here. But the villagers are wrong about stepmother, and so is father. She would never kill herself. I'm the one who knew her best, and I know this. Stepmother was hungry for life. One hundred and eighty-three steps until home. Rose was exactly right. I know. I've measured. The parsonage sat exactly one hundred eighty-three steps behind us, its back to the river, its front to the village square. And, said father, just think how happy Eldrick's father will be to see his son. That I will, said Mr. Claiborne, who was waiting with us in our cushion of air. He was more at home with the villagers than we were, even though he'd arrived from London only six months back. Perhaps it was because he was such a big, comfortable sort of man, while we Larkins are rarely comfortable, especially with ourselves. I don't like boys, said Rose. Neither did I, but I knew enough not to say so. Rose, said father, but Mr. Claiborne was used to Rose. Eldrick and I have never been apart this long, said Mr. Claiborne. Almost six months. Almost six months. Stepmother died two months and three days ago. I must never let myself grow used to stepmother's death. I must never smooth out time the way Mr. Claiborne had. I'd never say she'd been dead almost six months. I remembered the day she died with absolute clarity. I remembered standing outside her sick-room door, wondering if I should enter. Why did I hesitate? I was afraid of awakening her, I suppose, which I'd call ironic if I were a poet. But I'm not, and anyway, I hate poetry. A poem doesn't come out and tell you what it has to say. It circles back on itself, eating its own tail and making you guess what it means. Stop, Bryony. Stepmother would tell you to stop. Stop dreaming about her, she'd say, and attend to Rose, who'd just gone into a fit of coughing. Take care of Rose. That's what Stepmother always said. I'd promised. I'd promised Stepmother I'd take care of Rose. Rose has such a cough, Father, I said. Oughtn't she to be out of the wind? 
Another few minutes won't hurt, said Father in his sermon voice, which is his favourite voice, the one he starches and irons every morning. Have you become a doctor, Father? How do you know it won't hurt? Or did you hear it from God? You don't talk to anyone else. The wind smacked at everything. It smacked the river into froth. It smacked the willow branches into whips. It smacked the villagers into streamers of hair and shawls and shirt tails. The wind didn't smack us up, though. Not the Larkin family. We were buttoned and braided and buckled and still. But not all the buttons and buckles in the world can protect a Larkin from the swamp cough. When Rose started coughing last week, I actually talked to Father. I asked him whether she might have the swamp cough. Father said what he always says, which is nothing. That's right, Father. Let Rose cough herself to death. Why waste money on the doctor? There is, after all, no cure for the swamp cough.